That's that? All righty. Well, good morning, folks. That kind of saved me my whole introduction. When we were sitting there, Jim was like, are you introducing yourself or should I go up with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I just showed up. They gave me the mic. And, you know, I'm supposed to have slides and there was supposed to be an outline in the bulletin, but I was way behind on all that stuff. So all you've got this morning is this. So that's kind of a tough act to follow. Honestly, I feel like I really don't need to say much. I mean, the whole object lesson, that was pretty cool. And she touched on a few things that I'm going to touch on. So I don't know. I, I hope that uh, I can follow up decent. And that prayer at the end, how sincere and sweet was that? I, I really honest, honestly believe we should get kids more involved in the Sunday morning worship. I, I think give them the mic and let them run with it and kind of do the whole Bill Cosby thing. You know, have them sitting up here and just ask them questions and, and see what their whole viewpoint is because, you know, Jesus had a soft spot for children. You know, he said, unless you become like little children, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think, I don't know, I'll just let them run with it one day and, and see how it all turns out. Uh, I'm not used to having this whole thing. So, uh, you know, every now and then I'm going to have to grab this wire or if it falls off my face, just kind of I don't know, we'll have to deal with it together, but I'm just kind of getting used to this whole thing, so I'm not, not used to this, but we'll make the best of it. Several years ago, well, this was early on when Vicki and I uh, were early newlyweds, um, married. We bought a house out in Newark, Newark, Ohio, uh, you know, half hour, 45 minutes from here. And I used to work nights for U.S. Airways, and she worked at a preschool in Granville, so I'd come home in the morning and we would do the handoff. Madison was three or four and uh, she'd go off to preschool, and I would stay up. I worked from 11.30 to 7.30, I think it was, and needless to say, when I came home, I was, I was somewhat tired, so I was thinking, what do I need to do here to stay up? You know, Maddie's not ready for a nap. She just got up, had her, had her breakfast. Well, we lived just about a block or so from an elementary school that she would eventually end up going to. It was called Johnny Clem. If you guys know Newark or anybody been out there, you might have seen the school. They had a playground, great playground. So we'd get on the bike, I'd put the big old helmet on her, we'd go out riding for a few miles on the bike path, and then we'd come back to the school. You know, this was in the summer and there wasn't anybody there, so we'd do the whole thing with the swings, we'd go over to the sliding board, there was some kind of a ladybug made out of, I don't know, some kind of metal stuff. She'd play on that. And then one day, the monkey bars caught her eye. So she went over to the monkey bars, and she's maybe four, I, I don't think she's in school yet, if my memory serves me right. My, my brain's not as sticky as it used to be. And my brain's not as sticky as it used to be. <laughs> but um, she went over to the monkey bars. And I don't know, there were maybe 10 or 12 rungs on the monkey bars. And she climbed up the wooden ladder and the platform. And I mean, she's just a tiny little thing. So she grabs hold of it and she starts across and she lets go. She lets loose and falls to the ground. It's not that far, but I thought, you know, we'll see how long this goes. Um, she got back up, scampered up onto the, the platform again, grabbed hold of the rung, started across, and she fell again. Well, the third time up, I started making my way over. I was going to give her a hand, you know, I'll, you know I'm like a good dad. I'll, I'll help you out here. Well, she was like, no, 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 no. I want to do it myself. <laughs> how many times have you heard that? I want to do it myself. She had this extreme stick to um, for lack of a better word. I watched her try and try and try and fall and fall and slip off those bars. And then she'd run over to the 
swings again. She'd run over to the slide for about five, ten minutes. Then she'd come back to those monkey bars. That was like a, um, a challenge for her. And here she is, you know, three or four years old, and I'm thinking, where do you get that? You certainly don't get it from me. I mean, I, you know, came from the shallow end of the pool, and there's not a whole lot going on there as far as determination and perseverance and, and things like that. I'm the kind of guy that will shrink back from a challenge, whereas here she was rising literally to the challenge. But I look back on that, and I see that as an object lesson for me. Um, you know, she was just three or four years old, and by the end of the day, she had blisters on her hands. You know, I could not believe how often she was back up on those bars. And she didn't conquer it that first day. She didn't conquer it that first week. Two weeks went by. But every time we went back to that playground, where do you think she headed? She headed over to the monkey bars. Eventually, she got to the point where she could go six or seven rungs, a little bit further, nine, ten rungs, until that very last or that very first time when she made it through. Smile on her face, the, the beaming pride and joy that she had. Um, you know, it was just an incredible moment for us to share out there on the empty playground, just father and daughter, hey, you, you conquered it, you tackled it. But I look back on that as an object lesson for me because she had the determination, the faithfulness, the perseverance to continue through with that no matter what it was. Even the blisters on her hand, the pain, the discomfort, the falling down, getting up, brushing her knees off, and right back at it again. Nothing was going to keep her from realizing her goal, not even the blisters on her hand. So when Steve asked me to, to speak today, he said, what I want you to speak on is, is faithfulness. You know, we're doing this whole series about the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, there's a couple different directions, a couple different avenues you can go with the whole faithfulness thing. You know, there's the believing in God and, and a few other uh, aspects of that. But what I wanted to talk about today was that stick to that determination, the perseverance that comes with faithfulness. I was poking around online, <clears throat> looking up some dictionary um, definitions, and came up with this definition for faithfulness. And this is a nice, tidy way to, to explain it, to uh, define it. It says, remaining loyal to someone or something and putting that loyalty into consistent practice regardless of the extenuating circumstances. Now look back on that, you know, time with Madison at the monkey bars, and I'm thinking, that's exactly what she did. You know, she was sold on that idea of, of doing that. One of my favorite books in the Bible in the New Testament is James. I think James has a lot of practical applications for where we are today and, and has a lot of great uh, instructions and, and encouragement for how we need to live our life. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, reads this, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You guys uh, fans of Calvin and Hobbes? Anybody out there? It's just the only, the best comic strip ever written, right? Well, I, I love Calvin's attitude toward, well, I don't know, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because Calvin's kind of a, I don't know, yes. Sometimes he's not exactly where his folks want him to be. But I just remember a lot of comic strips throughout that whole I don't know, I think it was a 10-year run. Seems like Calvin had this cynical um, 
attitude. And a lot of times his dad would try to teach him lessons and, and tell him that it was going to build his character. And Calvin would scoff. Oh, you know, he'd have that little, um, I don't know, squiggly mark above his head showing disgust. He's like, why does it always have to be a character-building lesson when my dad talks to me? Or, you know, why does character always involve so many things that I don't like? But you look back on those things and, you know, the experiences that we have when we're younger people that build character, those are trials and tribulations worth going through. Um, You know, I remember my dad telling me, this is why you're doing this, and this is what it's for, and this is the long-range benefit, you know, the character development, things like that, and thinking, well, okay, I can look back on that now and see it. At the time, I didn't really appreciate it. Faithfulness and steadfastness and perseverance is one of those over-the-long-haul kind of things. We don't always see the benefits of it in the here and now. It's kind of like exercise. You know, if, if, if uh, you want to exercise, you start getting in shape, you hit the gym or you start running or you do whatever it is you choose to do, and you look at this day and the next day and the following day, and you don't always see immediate results. It takes a little bit of time for that six-pack to appear or those chiseled pecs to start showing up, right? You don't see that overnight, and that's why so many people walk away from it, because it takes time. It's like parenthood, too. If if you were to gauge the success of your parenting techniques on a day-to-day basis, you might become really discouraged. You might think, yeah, I'm missing the mark here. It's not coming together. Sometimes you don't see the fruits of your labor until one year, two years, five years, ten years down the road. It's one of those things that you stick to it, you persevere, and you commit yourself to it because it's worth it. Um, Growing up, I kind of always had a problem with my temper. (laughs) If you ask anyone who knows me really, really well, they'll tell you that's true. I'm pretty good at hiding it for the most part, but uh, every now and then it it comes out. This was a few years back. We were all in the car. This, you know, myself, I was driving, Vicki, Maddie, and Chase in the back seat, and I pull into a parking lot, and it's kind of a strange parking lot. It's got this entry that's it's a little off. There's not, there's not a stop sign where you think there should be a stop sign, and the, and the stop bar is all, I don't know, it was, just, it was kind of strange. Anyhow, I ended up cutting it a little too close, and there was a guy coming out to turn right out of the parking lot, and I was, I was a little close, yeah. I didn't clip his bumper or anything like that, but I was close. And I thought, whoa, you know, that was, that, that was close. So I was going to roll my window down because I looked over at him and I saw this scowl on his face. So I rolled my window down, honestly, to say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I was going to apologize. Honestly, really, I was. Well, he was rolling his window down at the same time. He wasn't about to apologize. Next thing I know, his finger's out the window, wagging my direction. He's like, what are you, some idiot? Don't you realize blah, 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 blah? And, I don't know, the floodgates kind of (laughs) opened. The dam broke. So, next thing I know, you know, I'm finger-waving too, and I'm telling him he's the idiot, I'm not the idiot, and Maddie and Chase are in the back, and it it was kind of funny because Madison told me, she said, I thought that was somebody you knew, and you guys were joking and playing a game with each other. And I was like, no, I wanted to rip his throat out. (laughs) And... Of course, Vicky was over there, you know, 
looking down at the floorboard and thinking, I can't believe you're acting like the childish fool that you are. But, you know, I, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. And in front of my kids at that, um, you know, it's easy, it's easy to say things, but it's harder to walk the walk. So, you know, it was all out there in the open. But I look at those things, and, you know, that, that was a disappointment. I've been working on this whole anger management temper thing for a while and, and have good days and bad days. But if I were to take that situation and look at that, I, I would be disappointed. But now I can say that was probably two, three years ago, and I haven't hollered at anybody in the parking lot since. So you see, I'm looking at the long term, but I do have to say nobody's pulled out in front of me and I've not pulled out in front of anybody either. So there's been no real conflict. So, you know, the, the, the thing about that situation was how quickly it just escalated. You know, you hear about these things on TV and the news and the road rage and stuff like that. And I was as guilty of it as, as the next guy. And it was kind of a wake-up call for me. I'm like, you need to throw some water on that and, and cool that because that's... That's not a good thing. That can escalate to a situation where it's just out of control. But I just want to encourage you, those times when you feel discouraged or when you feel, feel like you're not making progress because of situations like that, step back and look at the long run, too. Give yourself some time. Not everything changes overnight, and not everything is a quick fix. Perseverance is defined as this, the quality that allows someone to continue trying to do something even though it's difficult even though it's difficult. Something worth doing is not necessarily always easy, is it? Sometimes it's very difficult. That's where the, the character building comes in. How would people describe you to me? You know, I'm in a room of a lot of people that I don't know, and you guys don't know me very well. If someone were going to describe me to you, I wonder what kind of words they would use. You know, I often ask this. We want people to say positive things about us. We want people to say, you know, smart, funny, good-looking. Um, see, what else do I need to cover there? Uh, pleasant to be around, you know, sharp dresser, all those kind of things. We want people to say positive things about us, and a lot of that uh, reflects the outward appearance that we have. You know, we, we primp around in the mirror, and we make sure that we look all right before we head out. Most of us do. Um, but what about the things on the inside? What about the character traits and the personality traits on the inside that you really can't see. You know, I can't hold something in my hand and like, like a set of keys and say, this is what perseverance looks like. This, this is it. Or this is what faithfulness looks like, you know, if it, were, if it were something tangible. But do we want people to use those words when they're describing us to use those words also? I do. I want it to be more than just a surface kind of thing. You know, it would be nice if people would use words like, oh, you know, he's also patient and forgiving. He's also generous and, and sympathetic. And he's also steadfast and faithful. I think those are things that are worth developing and worth working on so that people will recognize those qualities in us. And when they think of us, those kind of things come to mind also. Perseverance is a character trait worth developing. What does it do? Perseverance helps drive us forward. It helps us meet our goals. And when we persevere, when we're steadfast, when we're faithful in a cause, 
lives are changed, and needs are met. We can ask ourselves as Christians, what is our goal? You know, as a Christian, as a, as a believer in Jesus, what are my goals? What, what am I to accomplish? What am I to set out to accomplish? And we can go a lot of different avenues with that. I mean, the Bible is full of, of suggestions and, and um, encouragements as far as how to live our life. What's true religion as described in Scripture? Taking care of the widows and orphans, right? Uh, we're commanded in Matthew to go out into all the world and, and make disciples. We're encouraged in Matthew also to care for the least of these. We could go on and on and on all day about all these different things, but if we could boil it down to just one singular goal, what would it be? One singular goal, I think, that we can all land on is to be like Jesus, plain and simple. We try to overanalyze and complicate things and layer upon layer upon layer, and then we kind of get bogged down with, with um, all the different things that, that we feel like we're supposed to do. But if we can pinpoint it and focus it on the one thing, I think that makes it a little bit easier. And that one thing for me is to be like Jesus, to get to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily ensnares, and let us run with perseverance the race that was marked out for us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. It's easy to get distracted. There's a lot of things that, that um, you know, steal away our attention. And there's nothing wrong with that. We live on this planet. There's a lot of cool things going on out there. There's a lot of neat things to be involved with. But I just think every now and then we need to literally stop and count to 10, take a deep breath, and kind of reevaluate where we are and where we're devoting our time and attention and to remind ourselves that our goal is to be like Jesus and to get to Jesus. There's a story in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, I think that illustrates this point pretty well. And it's a familiar story. All of you know it. Um, it's a story about Jesus being in Capernaum and four friends with a paralyzed buddy find out that Jesus is there. You guys have, have heard this story. But I want you to picture the scene. Um, the four friends have a buddy that's paralyzed. They hear that Jesus is in town, and he's in this house. So their goal, their purpose for that day, that afternoon, is what? To get their friend to Jesus. To get their friend to see Jesus. So they pick this guy up from his, on his mat. They go over to the house, and what do they find? They find the house is just surrounded with people. There's no way to even get into the front door. And that's common. Anytime Jesus was around, anytime Jesus was speaking, um, he attracted huge crowds of people. So the people were around the, the house. They could not get in there. They could not get to the front door. So you've got four friends with their paralyzed friend, and they're stuck. There's no way to get into Jesus. So what do they do? Somebody has the bright idea of climbing up onto the roof and digging a hole through the roof. Kind of thinking outside the box, isn't it? That's uh, unconventional thinking if, if ever there was. I mean, think about it. The house wasn't even theirs. Who came up with that idea? Hey, guys, let's, I don't know, go up on the house and dig a hole through the roof? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That sounds good. But think about the situation. Their steadfastness, their perseverance, their faithfulness in getting their friend to see Jesus is what paid off. 
if they were any less dedicated to the cause when they showed up at the house and saw however many people were around the house, they may have shrunk back from that and said, well, you know, we came over, we tried to do it, but I just don't see any way around this. I think we're just going to have to maybe come back later or, or forget the whole thing. If they did that, what would have happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They'd have taken their friend back on the mat. But they didn't let that stop them. Sometimes when we see a challenge, I know this is true for me, if everything's smooth and it's going well and there's no hiccups and no roadblocks, hey, I'm fine. You know, I'll just, I'll hunker down and I'll, I'll go the whole nine yards. But as soon as there's a bump in the road or as soon as there's a roadblock or some obstacle in my way that I don't want to deal with, Sometimes I'm the first one to say, you know what, let's, let's revisit this later. <laughs> I, I shrink back from a challenge. I need to let this be an encouragement and a motivator for me that when you get involved and when you are, are focused, you don't let anything stand in your way. That's when lives are changed and situations are changed. Jim mentioned that for Lifeline, I, I do some of the media stuff. I do some of the photography and uh, the videos that you know we put up on the YouTube page. I've been there 11 years, and I think probably 10 of those 11 years, my job titles changed. I've been logistics guy. I've been peanut butter picker upper. I've been you know container loader. I've kind of done done a little bit of everything. But this position here now kind of suits me well. I, I enjoy it, and you know it's a creative outlet, and, it, and it's something that I enjoy. I started doing the videos a couple years ago, and I started poking around online because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know all about audio stuff and, you know, exposure for video and frame rates per second and all that stuff. It was all Greek to me. So you kind of throw yourself into it, and you sink or swim. When somebody says, this is your job now, well, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll run with that, and I'll try to do the best. But I came across this website. It was called Still Motion, and these guys are out in Portland, Oregon, and uh, just kind of a ragtag group of folks that opened the studio, and they do photography and wedding videos. And then they started branching out, and they started doing some stuff for the NFL, and they started doing documentaries and, and short films. Well, I came across this one thing that they, they came upon. About a year or so ago, they did their first full-length documentary, and it was about a little girl uh, that lives out in California, I believe. Her name's Vivian. And it's worth looking this story up. It's called Stand With Me. Uh, hashtag stand with me. You can find it online or on their blog. This little girl, she's nine years old. Her and her family were out in San Antonio, I believe. This was about two years ago. And her folks um, and her and her sister were visiting this art gallery. So they're walking through this art gallery, and they walk to the very back, and there's this huge print. It's like a 16 by 20 print. And there's two little boys on this print. And uh, they're brothers. They're holding hands. They're kind of at the end of this uh, grassy hillside, and they're overlooking, you know, the landscape out in the distance. But they're holding hands. But the unique thing about this photo is that they have two huge pieces of slate strapped to their back because they're slaves. They're child slaves. They've been sold into slavery because um, their parents are in debt, and this was the only way to, to satisfy the collector. And I don't know all the details about child slavery and all the... the the facts about that, but if, if you're interested, you, you can explore that yourself. But Vivian looked at this photo and said, what's the story with this photo? What, why do they have rocks on their back? And there was a little placard next to the photo, and it told the story, and her parents were reading it to her, and Vivian said, well, they should be playing. They shouldn't be working that hard. 
And that's true. You know, these little boys were probably around her age, eight or nine, and their life was completely different than Vivian's. So Vivian's nine years old. She's walking through the gallery. She sees all these photos, and it's something that she can't shake. So when she goes home, she finds out more about this organization. I can't remember what it was called, but it's, it's a, a nonprofit that, that rescues child slaves. She said, I want to free, I think it was 500 kids. You know, I mean, she's not thinking, I want to free one, or I want to free those brothers, too. She's thinking, I want to free 500. She goes off the deep end, and she's got this grandiose plan in her head. And her folks are like, well, that's great, but how are we going to do this? So, I don't know what any entrepreneur child thinks. I'll set up a lemonade stand. (laughs) Hence the name Stand With Me. So, she set up this lemonade stand, started selling lemonade for like a dollar a cup, two dollars a cup. Well, found out she wasn't getting anywhere near her goal. I can't remember how much it was to free these kids, thousands of dollars. But she said, you know what? I'm just going to make it a donation. I'm not going to put a price tag on it anymore. I mean, this is a little nine-year-old. She's thinking along this line already. She said, I'm just going to have people give what's in their heart. So people started coming up, and when they found out her story and what she was doing, guess what? Lemonade was no longer worth a dollar or two dollars a cup. It was now worth five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars. The newspaper in her neighborhood found out about it. The TV news found out about it. That's how these guys at Still Motion found out about it. And she went on some kind of a speaking tour of that channel, TED, with uh, all the video speaking and the conferences. She was one of the youngest speakers there. But I'm looking back at her life, I'm looking back at what she's doing, and I'm thinking, this is incredible. When I was nine years old, I was just riding my bike through the neighborhoods, splashing through puddles, you know, hollering at people and creating a ruckus. <laughs> you know, I wish I'd have started earlier in my life to do more meaningful things. And still, if I gauge myself by what Vivian's doing, man, I'm just scratching the tip of the iceberg. She's doing some big stuff. She continued on that path, and I believe it was a snowy, cold day in New York at Times Square when she hit her goal. I think it might have been $100,000. I can't remember. But she reached her goal on that cold day in New York, and they had a big celebration, and they came back home. And Vivian was still kind of on this cloud nine high. After she came down, she was talking to her mom and dad. She said, okay, so we're done. Child slavery is over now, right? And they said, well, no, um, you know, there's a lot more kids still dealing with this, and it's their life. You, you freed 500, and that's great, but it's not over. And she said, oh, well, I can't stop then. She didn't stop at 500. I don't know what her story is now. She's still continuing with this. I know she has her own official line of lemonade that you can go online and buy. I mean, bottled and packaged and everything professionally. Nine-year-old, she has her own bottled lemonade. But she dedicated herself and committed herself to a grand goal, and she's well on her way to making a huge difference in people's lives. There's one thing I want you to walk away from, is just knowing that what you do matters, what you do makes a difference, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, what, what we dedicate our efforts to. It matters. I know it's easy to get distracted, and we spend a lot of time on things like our careers and our hobbies, and, you know, we climb this ladder and we climb that ladder, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
the whole self-preservation thing kicks in and you know we have to take care of ourselves and our families and I mean that's what we do we work we get paid we spend money we, we do things like that but personally I think I slide off track once in a while um, I get caught up in things that eternally don't really have much significance and I just need to stop and regroup and refocus there's one more story I'd like to close with it's found in Genesis chapter 11. It's the Tower of Babel. You guys know this story too, very familiar. A group of people decided they wanted to build a city and then they wanted to build a tower within that city that reached up to the heavens. If we can do this, we can do anything. Well, that got God's attention real quick. And God said, nah, we're not going to let that happen. So that's where he struck everyone with different languages and scattered them across the face of the earth. I think the problem with the whole Tower of Babel thing can come down to three words. Us, we, and ourselves. I think that was the downfall. They were so self-focused, self-indulgent, that that's what God wanted to end. That's what God wanted to stop. And I see myself getting wrapped up into that too, sometimes. My focus my dedication, my faithfulness, my perseverance needs to be set on one main goal. You know, I can have a lot of stuff going on in the peripheral, but the one main goal, the fence post in the distance, in the snow, that I focus on so I can walk a straight line, is Jesus. How often do I capture the Lord's attention? These four friends that helped their friend get in to see Jesus, when they lowered him through the roof, Jesus did not scold them for what they were doing. He didn't say, hey, guys, come back later. He stopped what he was doing because they got Jesus' attention. How often does that happen in my life that I get the Lord's attention? Folks there in Babylon or Babel, they got the Lord's attention for the wrong reason. Each day is a new opportunity to make a difference my faithfulness and my desire to be a reflection of Jesus and all that I say and do. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, thank you for taking care of each of us the way you do. Uh, we're so blessed to have the things that, that we enjoy. And I just pray that you help us dedicate ourselves to meeting needs around us, to focusing on um, what you would have us focus on. I pray that we could be a reflection of your son that um, you know, we could get up each morning and renew ourselves with faith and dedication and steadfastness so that you would be happy and, and pleased with our efforts and uh, that, when we get our that when we get your attention, it would be for all the right reasons. Help us to be a, a good example to our, our children, our, our neighbors, our, our spouse, uh, friends and family that we care for. I just pray that you help us dedicate ourselves to that each and every day. For it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.